Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. Your home for the champions of England. Bringing all Chelsea fans together here, near, and far. Hosted by Dan, Nick, and Brandon. We are back, Chelsea fans, with another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. And joining me, as always, are Dan and Nick. Dan, putting in the extra effort this weekend to record, aren't you? Well, you know, do uh, start a new job on on Monday, so I'm out in Vegas for my my first week of training, and uh, you know, not not the trip most people take to Vegas. This is uh, this is all work, Nick. Um, not like unlike your weekend. My my weekend was a little less work and a lot more play. Um, but but a question I have for you, Dan, since you were in Sin City, where uh, sports betting is legal, uh, we we put down some money for Chelsea to win the title. Uh, I think there's some, uh, some some good wagers to be made. Uh, though, if we flash back to our last betting adventure, all of us lost. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that's if that's uh, something I want to repeat right away. Well, that's what you get for betting on Arsenal Man United last season. I mean, that was, yeah, was problem one. That was a bad game. That was a bad bad game. Problem two. No winners. Problem two is me betting first half bets and then going back at halftime for second half bets. And completely missing the mark. Yep. If 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 you're this sucker, like they'll know, and and they knew for us. 
All right. Well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and talk through the Everton match, which was, you know, thought to be a lot more difficult than it actually ended up being. Maybe that's because of their midweek travel, or maybe that's just because Chelsea started to play closer to what we expect them to play at, you know, to their true potential. But first, we do have some iTunes reviews, Nick, don't we? Of course we do, because our fans are awesome and they... Uh, consistently put great iTunes reviews into the uh, respective stores. So uh, the King of Blues USA, five-star review. Love it. Uh, Hushin20, thank you for your five-star review. And J.K. Caldwell, 2004, just absolutely has the best, I think. Uh, or no, I look, uh, EJ1020 has the best one, who said, not wankers, solid chat. And look, it's, it's very, I, very apt description. Is that is that not the nicest thing someone's ever said? <laughs> <laughs> it very well might be. But if you want to maybe take a shot at saying something nicer, just go ahead and visit your local iTunes store. Five star review. Get a nice little shout out on the pod. We also do shout outs for our Patreon members. There are none this weekend, so no worries. We're going to go ahead and continue on. But if you ever want to support us monetarily, we have a ton of awesome rewards. So go ahead and check it out on there. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break from World Soccer Shop. And when we're back, we will be hitting the Everton FC match. Here we go. Dan, are, are you excited for the potential launch of the third kit? You know, I think initially I was not, but uh, there's some photos that leaked out that make it look pretty appetizing, and I I can imagine they'll be able to find that on worldsoccershop.com, correct, Nick? That is right, Dan, and that was a great segue into what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, go to worldsoccershop.com. September 1st, the third jersey will launch. Uh, World Soccer Shop will have that for you. Um, It's a great side experience. You can go on and not see any sort of spurs or any other Nike-sponsored club stuff. Uh, So help us out. Use a referral link. and, uh, And yeah, boom. All right, Chelsea fans, in case you missed it, Everton FC was the opponent this last weekend. It was the Premier League match at Stamford Bridge, and it was this past Sunday, August 27th. Blues 2, Toffees, nada, nothing, zero. Dan, again, we've had way more lineup changes this season than what we've had in the entirety of last season. So this is way more important to cover it right now at the beginning of the season. Well, it's important. And, you know, uh, lining up for the money team uh, up top was uh, Alvaro Mata, <laughs> Pedro, William. And we dropped back to little Alonzo, Conte, Fabregas returns after his suspension had ended. Victor Moses, uh, Rudiger, Luis, Aspilicueta, and Courtois. You know, so we had the money team going up against the notorious Ronald Koeman's. And, uh, you know, it was uh, quite quite the match. We also got to see... Some cameo appearances from Mishi, from Bakayoko, getting a little bit more fitness. And then Christensen with the Ruben Loftus-Cheek 16-17 uh, season um, appearance with uh, just a few minutes left to spare at the end. Nick, I know you're not, you're not one for the, the old stats there, are you? But Chelsea... Wait. <laughs> what am I? What am I? What am I? Some sort of Neanderthal? No, no, no. Just very much spoken from the heart, and I appreciate it. But... So he's all eye tests. Uh, oh, yeah. that is true. How about this? I use these, I use these eyeballs to, to determine whether whether a player is good or not. So there it is. Well, collectively as a team, Chelsea, solid grip on possession. But check it out. 18 shots, seven on goal. Chelsea 
held Everton to seven shots. And um, uh, how many on goal, Nick? Is that a goose egg I see there? Is that a zero, Brandon? I, my eyes aren't too good, you know, with the with the whole looking at players all the time thing. So no, it's true. Nothing. Zero. Yep. So, I mean, just a complete game shutout, really, Dan. I mean, it, it you know, there's not not too much to say. Almost a perfect game. Well, you know, we we really were the superior opponent. You know, we uh, we played the game longer than they have, and you know, when it just came down to it, you know, they they had run out their fitness, and you know, a couple rounds in, and you know, all of a sudden we started landing some punches and some jabs, and uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm actually confusing Mayweather and McGregor. Yeah, let's um, yeah, but, but I mean, it's same same end result though. Chelsea wins, Mayweather wins. It's kind of what you would expect. What I would like to kind of get into our chats about a little bit is the defense. But before that, we all know what makes the money. All right. It is the goals and Fabregas 27th minute coming back. You know, this is one of the matches that you always expect him to try to raise his level because he made a big mistake two matches ago. And he kind of has to like prove himself again, Dan, didn't he? Yeah. You know, and, uh, William kind of had that outside run to the, you know, almost to the edge of the line, uh, smartly decided not to do another step over, but kicks it back out to Fabregas and he knocks it into Murata, um, kind of bounces, but Murata then is able to actually take his head and put it to good work for him and get it right into the path of Fabregas. You think it might be like a pass. It's actually a goal, which is kind of how his tend to look most of the time. And, you know, really just, Great interplay, great, great exchange. And, you know, Seth kind of ran up to the, the corner flag and, you know, put his L up there for, uh, I believe his daughter's uh, name starts with an L. So it was not, he was not dropping L's for the Arsenal loss. He was uh, giving a little uh, nod to his daughter there. Yeah, I would say too, this is uh, Murata's second assist, uh, both with his head, um, which is really interesting, Brandon. That is kind of <laughs> that is really impressive. I know there's a bit of a conversation going on on Twitter about, you know, I guess comparing Morata to Diego Costa, which you are obviously going to have right or wrong because he seems to be our new striker. But it was to me a lot more interesting just the fact that um, he was able to he just stuck with it. Right. Like there was an opportunity in the box and he did not give up on the play. Uh, and that was great to see. 40th minute, Nick. Fast forward a little bit. Marata himself gets the goal this time. Very reminiscent to his first goal for Chelsea. Yeah, right. Um, I think it was very reminiscent of the goal he missed last week, actually. Um, uh, you know, a nice a nice early cross from Dave kind of at the top of the box. Um, eerily reminiscent of, of what Christian Eriksen did to us a few times last year where you, know, you kind of just ping that ball in at a nice angle. The goalkeeper doesn't know whether to come or, or stay. And, you know, Marazza has a nice flicked on header, um, beautiful goal. Great for him to get another goal at Stanford Bridge. He keeps endearing himself to the fans. Uh, you know, not... You know, we'll, we'll get into his performance overall, but I think that this was very, very important, not only uh, in the game, you know, as, as we were dominating on, on the defensive side of the ball, but really nice for, for Dave, too, who I think has, has raised his game from a passing perspective, knowing that, you know, if, if they're going to double Moses out wide and, and put more space there, that he has a lot of room to operate, Dan, and, and he's done pretty well so far. Uh, dude, the way that he delivers that ball, I, I, I mean... 
it, it has its own FedEx tracking number on it. Like that thing, you know exactly where it's going to go. You know, I think sometimes when he's kind of tried to run the byline and try to cross into the box, uh, it doesn't really look great. But when he's actually outside the box and is able to kind of, you know, give it almost a, you know, 70 to 80 degree kind of kick on it. Uh, that thing has some some great float, some great pace, and and really, you know, ultimately should have you know has should have put Morata up to two goals um, through Aspilicueta assist if he had converted the one last match too. So I think Aspilicueta deserves a ton of recognition, um, you know, for really finding a way to contribute from an attacking perspective and you know finding ways, especially you know, Eden Hazard not available, Bakayoko starts the season injured, Morata getting up to fitness, Batshuayi scoring goals for other teams. Um, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> things that are going on. That weren't necessarily going our way, and this whole kind of crisis mentality, you know, had been branded about. But you know, Aspilqueta has, you know, truly, I think, lived up to that that captain armband that he has uh, has been bestowed for the past two games. I believe that was his first uh, game at Stamford Bridge, actually being the captain. Yes, from the start. Obviously, when Cahill got sent off uh, opening day, he took it over. But it's a lot different when you lead the team out of the tunnel. You're right. All right, well, let's go ahead and continue on with the Murata conversation. So, Dan, it looks like Murata has officially taken over the starting position up top. Guy's got two goals and two assists and three appearances so far this season. Is it justified? Yeah, I mean, if you are you score two goals and you get two assists and three appearances and one of those wasn't even a full appearance, uh, I think you absolutely deserve the right to, to be leading the line for Chelsea. Uh, also, leading the fantasy Premier League line, too, as the top scoring forward for the season. So if you bet early on Murata, uh hats off and applause to you for that. But, I mean, Nick, I think there were a couple times, you know, we were chatting during the match where you know, we talked about some of the ways that he looks off the ball and I think that can kind of be deceiving um, because he can look lazy, but some of the runs he makes and the timing on them, which led to some of those goals, is pretty exceptional. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit more cloak and dagger than Diego. I, you know, I think whereas Diego is such a workhorse and is always battling and is always, you know, in a center back's face, you know, ready to ready to take action at any time. Murata is a lot more passive. And and look, I think I think we all we all would like to see a bit more hustle, especially when it comes to tracking back on some of these uh, counterattacks from him. But what he's doing is he's basically lulling the defense to sleep and, and basically, you know, looking at the center back saying, look, I'm not running at you right now. And so they have they, they might get on their back foot a little bit and, and relax. And if if they do that, he has enough speed uh, he has enough speed to take advantage of that. Um, so it's just, it's a little, Dan, it's a little different than what we're used to seeing. It doesn't mean that it's wrong, though. Well, and I think that's why you saw on the second goal that Michael Keane had his hand raised in the air, thinking that Morata was offside. You know, he perfectly timed the run to get in there, make himself available to, to put head to ball, ball to goal. And, uh, I think it's just different. You know, it's an adaptation period for us to, you know, not have a striker who's up top, um, who's maybe a swashbuckler. Uh, I think maybe he's more of a, you know, to use your kind of cloak and dagger analogy, he's the assassin. You know, he's kind of finding ways to add value and kind of be a part of the attack and, and go about his business without really alerting those center backs to what's actually going on. 
So a quick shout out, if you can Photoshop uh, Alvaro Morata's face on the Assassin's Creed character, we will retweet that for sure. Ooh, that's a good Love one. Love it. That is good. I like that. Continuing on, though, I would like to say that Morata looks uncomfortable playing with his back to goal. We tried to find his feet a lot in this match. Uh, he tried, sometimes he'd just try to hold it. He'd get pushed off the ball. He'd get knocked out of the way. He tried to turn. He tried to dribble out of it. Uh, you can tell this is, it's very different, whether it's the amount of pressure that is like on his back or the phys- physicality of that pressure. Um, but that is something that he will get figured out eventually. It's just, um, he is so much better running at defenders and running at goal. And I would like to say that um, Morata is already proven to be much better in the air than, than Diego has. I think the other point that we would point out is he still has not yet had the opportunity to play with Hazard. And that is going to be very, very enticing to watch. You, th- you, yeah, you talk about cloak and dagger. I mean, essentially, they're both going to be dummies for each other. And if you think about... <laughs> like the offsetting runs that will come from that partnership. I mean, it, good luck. <laughs> good luck well, with and, any of that. And, and you add Alonzo in on the left-hand side, who you know has also found his way to you know make a big impact in games. And I think our attack, you know, just starts to become even more and more impressive. And I think, you know, look, squad depth is still an issue. You know, Antonio Conte talks about having, you know, 13 to 14 players to rotate for three matches in a week. And that's a problem. And it is. But our, our first team is still right now outside of a swap for, you know, Murata and a swap for, um, you know, Diego is pretty much the same team that won the league last season. And I think that that's the touchstone we have to go back to. Let's go ahead. Keep it going. Cause I do, I do love a good forward chat, a good striker chat, but there was more squad rotation today, Nick, which I'm sure Conte isn't completely thrilled with mainly because of the state of the squad, still a very young inexperienced bench. But the back line looked solid, and William was able to step up when Pedro wasn't at his best. So, minus the midfield, still our weak link. Um, how do you like the back line? Is it starting to form with Rudiger in alongside David Luiz and Aspie today? Uh, I mean, they were they were tremendous today. I mean, the whole back line, you know, Moses and Alonso, kind of included in that. I think we're were great. You know, actually, I think Dave, you know, probably had the weakest performance of those three, um, missed a couple of uh, of his tackles and, and was mistiming a couple of his uh, pressing opportunities. But Rudiger has been rock solid, um, I think, has been, you know, as, as he may have bedded in as quickly uh, for Chelsea is any new signing that I can remember uh, in, in quite a long time. I mean, Morata's obviously been great, too. He's two goals to assist to his name. Uh, I think Rudiger has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, and then, you know, you have David Luiz back there doing his thing, paying 60-yard 60 60, um, balls out uh, to each flank. And, you know, I think there's just... With this team right now, you know, with Christensen, with Cahill, with, you know, the three that played today, man, you throw a couple extra wingbacks in there for depth. And, and this starts to become, you know, kind of, Dan, a little bit 
fortress Stanford Bridgey from, from, you know, 2004 or five, where it's going to be really, really hard to score on these guys. They're so well drilled and they know, you know, especially the new guys are getting to know the system a little bit more now. Um, very, very impressed. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if, you know, the idea this season maybe is not to be, you know, I mean, obviously you want to attack and you want to score, but maybe there's some thought in, you know, Conte's mind about this idea of having a defense that doesn't leak at all. That's a, you know, fortress, what do you want to to call it? Um, with Rudiger, you know, he was, you know, the second highest uh, individual involved with, um, you know, expected goal chain passing today, um, which, you know, only behind William. So when you think about, where his passes were coming from. I think about the one, one real attempt that uh, I think it was Sandro had on goal. And, you know, he just kind of so calmly came into the box, didn't, didn't swipe down, didn't put his hands behind his back and just really knocked the ball out of play and perfectly timed it to avoid, you know, giving up maybe a penalty or a rash challenge. It was really, there was some really excellent display uh, of football acumen in that match from him. And uh, it's, it's exciting. It's super exciting. And make no mistake about it. This Everton team is going to be good this year. Uh, They are, you know, they do have a pretty solid attacking lineup. I think they're also getting used to each other. They just picked up Gilfie Sigurdsson, who still may be the most underrated player in the Premier League uh, with his ability to assist. I mean, he put in some three or four really, really good balls from set pieces today. The the defense just locked him down. I mean, it, it wasn't close. And, I think if you're if you're Everton, you have some some work to do because uh, you know United's defense is is better. You know City still you know can you know score a lot of goals. Their defense isn't great, but you know to to reach that next level for them is going to be really difficult. Um, and I think Chelsea has proved today that especially at the bridge, you know these guys and their communication is so good that it's going to take something special to beat them, Brandon. Well, I think another thing is like on our man of the match poll at Harrison Young was talking to us saying the fact that Rudiger's not on there, he's not voting. I hear you, man. Like Rudiger, solid, legit performance today. Offense just steals those awards. That's just how it works. So like nothing personal against Rudiger. uh, But if you play well defensively, you don't really notice because that's the expectation level. Uh, It's crazy to think that Cahill will still come back. Uh, at least challenge for it. Rudiger we thought would be on the right. He seems very comfortable on the left. Also has great display of passing. Uh, another solid, calm performance out of David Luiz. Absolutely just hit cruise control in the second half. Nothing really to worry us at all. Uh, Courtois, I think, you know, everyone is saying he, he kind of made one save, really, but we know there's no shots on goal, so... Super easy day at the office for him. Um, well, I mean, the, the more interesting thing is he probably had more vacation than Minulay had. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that w- yeah, that, that was interesting. You know, obviously Liverpool still don't know what they want to do with their goalkeepers. Thankfully, we're all set. All right. Well, I thought it was really interesting that Conte made sure to get minutes for Bakayoko. Obviously, he played the full match last week, Dan, but... Antonio Conte said they still kind of rushed him back. So it is still a big priority to get Bakayoko in there, get him some minutes, build up the fitness. Um, you know, it, it, and he moved Fabregas up. And I think that that makes sense, right? Like going forward, it's going to be the Bakayoko Conte show this season. 
Yeah, it was really nice to see him get some opportunity to, to get back out there after a really, really impressive performance. And if you didn't read Joe Tweeds' piece on We Ain't Got No History about Bakayoko and the Tottenham performance, a uh, quick plug for that. It's absolutely fantastic and highlights maybe what the future might hold. But and made it made a few good runs forward, and, but there was really there was nothing happening in the midfield for Everton, and so Bakayoko's work was actually you know very limited. You know, uh, no no need for tactical challenges or fouls. It was really there to give him some opportunity to get up a speed, Nick. And I think it was, again, it's it's good for him, and it's good that uh, you know Mishi got a little you know cameo appearance too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think. We st- we still see that Morata is getting up to fitness. He looked pretty leggy around the 60th minute again. Um, and honestly, you know, we we've had some tweets about that uh, this week. I think that when you when you take into account that he wasn't a regular starter um, for for the bulk of his career. I mean, e- even back to Juve, he came af- came off of the bench a lot. Uh, it's gonna still it's gonna take him a lot of time to get you know 90 minutes Antonio Conte and match fit. I mean, that's like. Uh, American Ninja Warrior match fit, um, and I think that he uh, he just needs to get there. I mean, he's he's more he's more Conor McGregor in the ninth round uh, right now than uh, than Mayweather, and I think it's showing, you know, why why it's so important for Mishi to be in the squad because Mishi is fit. Um, he he does have the stamina, and I think you know will will benefit from Murata's movement. Hopefully, we get to see him play together too, just to see if there's any sort of partnership that can be formed there but yeah i mean i think it's good for for mishi to get in there and and take some of the burden away all right let us continue the hashtag minutes for mishi but we're gonna continue moving on to our third question so dan chelsea completely controlled this match from start to finish the only real negative thing i could think of you know because i always need something negative to talk about after a match be more do. positive, jeez. Yeah, just boy, like, like that, like that crazy press out there. I was looking for the negative story. I mean, Conte is leaving at the end of the season, regardless. So let's just admit it and deal with it. Fake news. Uh, if he exactly. makes it past transfer day, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but anyways, like, let's go ahead and and you know, nitpick a little bit. And like, the only thing I could think of that people could be upset with this match. Uh, was the fact that Chelsea didn't score more. I mean, plenty of opportunities, plenty of chances. But at the end of the day, if that's the only thing we have to nitpick is that Chelsea didn't put five away, like, this is a really solid performance, don't you think? Oh, I think it was fantastic to to watch. I think, you know, Pedro had a, had a nice opportunity, you know, uh, I mean, there were, there were a couple moments where, where there was an opportunity to get another score in. And when you look at the number of shots that we took, 18, number of shots on target, seven, um, you know, Pickford came up with, you know, one or two good saves. So I think we shouldn't feel too bad. I mean, you won. You won. You got two goals. I think the finishing is going to come as we had Hazard back in, as Morata gets up to match fitness, as these players get comfortable playing in an actual game with one another. Uh, no, no crisis. No need for crisis, Nick. Now, <clears throat> look, I, I think to the the finishing that we saw today, like Pedro, you know, missed a couple uh, that I think he he ordinarily would have had if he was 100 percent fit. 
you know, stuff like that. I think William will, will continue to grow into it as well. Moses had one, oh my God, that I couldn't believe he didn't get a better shot on. Uh, this all comes with time. You know, when November hits, those goals go in. Uh, I have zero doubt about it. Uh, you know, it, this is the team that we have come to expect to be out there. And that's from a, an entire season of dominance last year. And I think it's crazy how quickly, like literally the wheels fell off against Burnley. And then in week two, we essentially survived Tottenham, right? Had a great free kick. They had their chances, hit the post. They came at us, you know, 35% possession, whatever it is. But we found a way to win because we were super clinical. And then this week, I feel like this is the team that gives you confidence that can challenge for the title. And we haven't seen that. But to me, the evolution that we've seen under Conte just in the first three matches We've made massive leaps and bounds. I mean, Burnley goes and draws Tottenham today. So apparently Burnley aren't the absolute, you know, like the bottom of the table team that maybe we thought. They may prove to be trickier than what a lot of us suggested. I know, Dan, you sent us a nice little kind of, as of right now, prediction graph of where, I don't know, who the experts are. Like Chelsea are expected to be at the top again based on these performances. Yeah, there's this guy on Twitter who... <laughs> who on on Twitter he goes by Goal Impact and you know he does the numbers crunches them together and figures out you know based on a statistical model what what is the most likely thing to happen based upon kind of some of the attacking performance that teams have and right now it's you know with about thirty nine point six um, and thirty nine point one percent Chelsea and Manchester United. Uh, you know, expected potentially for first place finishes. So, you know, that's, you know, there are other teams who have, you know, as we talk about in our rival watch section at the end, that might need to drop out of the rival watch because they're, uh, they're, there's some doom and gloom in, in some traditional top six teams here this season. We're not there. Which particular top six team would you, would you be referring to, Dan? Uh, well, all I know is I think uh, I, I looked on LinkedIn and I saw that uh, Gunnosaurus is uh, looking for some <laughs> new career opportunities right now. And I don't know if you're in the, if you're in the need for a mascot, you might be able to find one on the cheap. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kind of wrap up this section. Do we have any other thoughts from this match kind of as a whole? Uh, Nick, anything that kind of stood out to you that you want to make sure we covered? Um, yeah, I really, I do want to give Cesc Fabregas, uh, some love because I think that he played really well. Everton let him have a ton of space, which was incredibly stupid, um, of them. But what he did with that space was tremendous. I think he did show uh, a lot of fight and resilience today. Um, I think there was probably some nervous, uh, hand ringing when he was announced in the starting lineup. Uh, he went the full 90. Uh, you know, I, again, I just really thought that, you know, after the first match of the season and, and some of the antics and stuff that we were not huge fans of, uh, he showed up today. And if we're going to, if we're going to, you know, tear him down when he was, you know, a little bit agitated, then we need to build him back up when he was really good. That is fair. We try to be as balanced as we can on the pod about that. Uh, Dan, what about you though? You know, biggest contribution of the game today for Wayne Rooney, getting booked for descent. And uh, what a moment that was. It's quite wonderful. And uh, can't let that one go by without underlining it, putting a star next to it, and just uh, treasuring that moment forever. 
Also, another red card challenge that didn't, you know, apparently happen. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Uh, the stamp on Fabregas from, I think, Idrissa Gay uh, was horrific. Um, and, and there was a bunch of analysis, not only on Twitter, but I think at halftime as well. Uh, I mean, he, he went in on his shins, studs down. I mean, it was it was pretty brutal to watch in slow motion. Uh, refereeing needs to get it figured out. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that um, we have to go back every week and feel aggrieved. Yep, John Moss on the on the center duty today, and he let a lot play. I think in general, I mean, he let a lot go. We did benefit from it, though. Uh, I think a little bit on is it the second goal? Oh, yeah, on the second goal, he he let that. There were probably about three or four times where he could have blown it, and he just let it go and let it go and. You know, sure enough, um, Morata and Azpilicueta connect for a goal. So, I mean, there were there were worse displays of officiating this weekend. So, uh, thankfully, we didn't draw uh, Pawson. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a whole different podcast and series of shows that we can do about uh, refereeing failures. Yeah, still appalling, Nick. That's a good shout. Um, you know, I I guess I wanted to touch on William. I thought he was one of our best outlets as far as going forward. I know there's still some people on Twitter saying his decision-making is terrible, uh, but the amount of energy and life he brought to the team in the attack, you know, I thought was stand out, especially Pedro misplacing a ton of passes, getting the ball stuck under his feet, uh, very uncharacteristic of him, but look, it happens from time to time. And I just thought William really kind of uh, did a good job of leading the line a bit, even from kind of that, that, in behind the striker slash out wide position. Uh, he was definitely running at Everton's back line all day. So I just want to give him credit as well. Personally, I thought he did a good job uh, at BB Busby, if you disagree, because I know there's plenty of you out there. <laughs> all right. Don't do it. Let's go ahead and let's do the man of the match poll. Um, I set it up this time, but by no means uh, am I going to take all the credit for it? So we said, who is your <laughs> Che Ev man of the match? And we had Marata, Fabregas, William, and then just Spain, Dan. Well, I mean, we think about the fact that all contributors for the goal, whether it was assist or a goal, uh, came from Spain. And I think you got to get a little love there. Got a little love to our, our, our Spanish trio. There is a German defender, I think, that might be a little aggrieved in this um, in this man of the match poll, uh, who I thought was was probably my man of the match. But, uh, you know, I'm going to let it go. It's yeah, true. I mean, I, I think you, you can't. I don't know. You can. But I would say Murata is very clearly the man of the match. And I would give you potentially a runner up option for Rudiger actually above William. I, th- I think the William one is a little, little too high. All right. Well, that's on me. So again, at BB Busby. Um, yeah. Thank you. Remember when, we used to have a, remember when we used to have a guy doing these every week that would get all the flack? God, that was fun. <laughs> Sharing the love. <sighs> but no, we appreciate all of you guys who voted out there. Uh, it was a good one. It's, it's pretty close. So we had Marata 36%, uh, Fabregas at 19, William at 18, and then just our Spanish influence at 27%. But uh all around, great team effort. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't have really any complaints. I had to kind of make some up, Nick. But as the table stands, right, we, we last week I said, hey, not a big deal because it's only six points from top to bottom. We now have 
starting to see it shuffle out a little bit. You know, you're not that surprised to see Manchester United at top, Liverpool second, City in fourth, but Huddersfield Town, Nick, just hanging around. Love it. Love the Huddersfield Town story. Um, You know, I I love that they're also above City in the table, having a better goal differential. That's amazing. Uh, Chelsea in sixth and rising. You would continue to believe that with additions and with some good vibes going around the club right now, especially after beating Spurs that, you know, the team might just start clicking here, Dan. Yeah. I think you have to look at the fact too, that between first place and then sixth place, it's uh, no more than a three point gap. So, uh, you know, there's no settling on the cement yet, but there are definitely some maybe initial trends to start to read into. Uh, one that uh, Spurs winning at home this season might not be good. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, anyways, like I said, it's good to see Chelsea back up uh, in the top half and, you know, sixth place. Big jump from 12th last week. Uh, we sent Everton back down there. Let them sit there. But I think that'll pretty much do it for this part of the match review, guys. Let us know what you guys thought. Let us know what you disagree with. As always, we are happy to engage in a friendly conversation. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we get back. Holy smokes, we've got a long line of questions from you all from social media. Here we go. Dan, did you happen to watch the Champions League draw um, last last Friday? Or oh, there, were, there were some sly looks from uh, from Totti as you know, he made me pull the ball. Um, uh, uh, it was it was it was a good little time, you know. I never get tired of the champions. Yeah, so if you didn't see, which I'm sure you did, uh, we drew Atletico Madrid, Roma, and Carabag. Is that how you pronounce that, Dan? Uh, I'm going to go with a yes and not even attempt it. Perfect. Um, so what we're trying to say here is that now that the Champions League draw is uh, has been released and the schedule uh, for the group stage has been released, we are working with XL Tours, uh, our partner uh, in travel and tickets for, for our Chelsea uh, fan trips to determine if there's a way that we could possibly do a home league and Champions League match double. Um, so stay tuned. We will release any information that we have on all of our social channels. Dan, where can they find those again? Well, they can find us on uh, Facebook, London Blue Pod, Twitter, London Blue Pod, and Instagram, London Blue Pod. All right, let's go ahead and dive right on in to the social media questions. Uh, Steven Ricci on Facebook asks if he is taking crazy pills. What is the argument against Murata? He's arguing with someone on his local Facebook page, and... I don't know. When will he be good enough for some fans? I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit, Nick, right? I guess their argument is that they think Morata is starting to smell like Torres all over again. But it's been two and a half matches for Morata. I mean, considering he scored two goals and has two assists, I, I don't think you can make the comparison to Torres at all. Uh, don't worry about these people because they're not watching the same game that you and I are. Um, well, thankfully, Ugo and the rest of our clan on our Facebook page saying the same thing. Two goals, two assists in his first three games. I'd say he's nothing like Torres. Um, ooh, another question from Mark Dan asking, can Chelsea force Belgium not to use Hazard since he is still injured? Well, he's rehabbing. 
he played a uh, under twenty three or premier, you know development squad game uh, just recently, and you know had a chance to you know kick the ball around. He's not match fit for the Premier League, but it doesn't mean that as the captain of your national team that you might not want to go. And even if you don't expect to play, um, that you don't answer the call. And you know Chelsea don't have a lot of legal recourse um, to prevent him from going. I think it's actually part of like the the FIFA stipulation that like you, you know, your club can't say that you can't go represent your country um, and your obligation to them. I, you know, obviously, you know, they have doctors, they have a coaching staff, they want to maintain a great relationship with Chelsea. So you know because they have two of their stars um, and and a third one. Uh, also on our ranks in Courtois, Hazard, and Michy, who are all part of that grouping for Belgium. So the last thing they want is to erode the relationship with our our you know our club. And so I think they're gonna check it out. He might go on the bench, but I mean he he needs to also get game time to get back up. So you're telling me against going up against Gibraltar for maybe 20, 30 minutes is is a bad idea. Maybe not. I mean, I think we want to make sure that when he goes back to play in the Premier League, that he's not going to get knocked down the first thing and be like, man, I'm not up to speed. I'm not ready for the pace of the you know defense that I'm going up against. Disagree. Terrible idea. Get match fit first, then go play for your national team. Uh, long answer short, no, they cannot prevent him. FIFA says that country um, essentially gets the final say. Both good points from you too. I appreciate that. Well done. Uh, at or I guess J underscore tape on Instagram says Rudiger looks good. He's got love for the captain, but would you sacrifice the better player for your captain, Nick? Yes, always. John, I mean, John Terry. At, right, and, and I think that's what you have to look towards. Uh, it's a really, really good call out, Brandon. I mean, look, if if the team is better with Rudiger in versus. Uh, Kale, then yeah, you have to play Rudiger. Uh, and I think, uh, especially in Antonio Conte's Chelsea, it's a meritocracy. You know, if it merit, if you merit the ability to play week in, week out, then you're going to play. If you don't, then you're not. And it's not a personal thing, it's business. Quick shot CFC on Instagram also says, How hard are we collectively praying that we have a smooth, injury free international break? Uh, well, I'd like to go ahead and take a little bit and collectively start that prayer now because <laughs> the lack of depth is still a massive gap for Chelsea. So uh, if you would all go ahead and take a quick five second pause uh, and do that on your own, we all would appreciate it. Uh, to the old gods and the new. OK, well, we gave it through and sly reference in there, Nick. Well done. Thank you. All right, next.gen.jrod's back says, already looks like the top 14 players have been established. Who's most likely to break through from the rest on the bench this season, Dan? Um, I guess, wait, do we have a bench? Ooh, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 are, we are going hard in that. Uh, Public Works are, are making sure that we have a bench, um, you know, in addition to the, the board. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be interesting because until we have it formed, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what player we, we bring in because we also could bring in a player that is going to put someone else back on the bench that plays currently. So I think William potentially, if he can start scoring some goals, could put maybe Pedro on the bench. Uh, if we don't get another you know, forward attacker. Um, but we have to wait to see. I, I mean, we have four days to figure this out and figure out what our actual squad is going to be up until January at least. And then we can go from there and kind of give you a better answer. 
Christensen is my answer. That makes sense. And we actually had a question about that from Rash the Doctor saying, what do you make of Andreas B. Christensen, henceforth known as ABC, being on the bench? Do you see him getting game time? Do you see him at Chelsea in the future if he only gets a fringe player role? Well, I mean, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but if you tell me a player this young is going to be on the fringe kind of this whole season, he's probably going to look for other opportunities. He said that. Um, he's been very open about that and that makes sense for him in his career, but, uh, there's going to be a lot of competition, but we kind of have to see what happens. You know, hopefully we don't have any injuries, right? But if we do have an injury in that back line, he's going to be the first name in, I think, which is just pretty exciting. Uh, last question from Instagram though says, uh, can, oh, I'm sorry, from bleed and breathe blue. Can this squad win the league with no injuries and no more transfers? Everyone, give me a yes or no, Dan. Yes. Nick? No. Ooh, I would say yes as well. We'll discuss a little bit more later. Um, All right, let's move on to Twitter. As always, you guys crushing it on Twitter. Um, At SP Beal says, what's your favorite Chelsea-headed goal? Um... Right off the bat, I mean, can we just all collectively say Drogba 2012 Munich? I'm I'm staring at a photo of it right now. So, oh. yes, that is my favorite <laughs> headed goal. I mean, oh. unless you got something different, Dan, we're open to, uh, to discussion. I, I, can't, I can't think of any right off my head. I almost want to revisit this next week when I, I've had a chance to research or put some thoughts into it. But I, I think uh, honor, it's hard. I have an honor What's your honor roll? I'm an honorable mention, which is John Terry against Napoli for the second um, second goal in the in the second leg. Also massive. We are happy to take take in some ideas. Please send them to us: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email. You know yeah, how to get ahead of let's us. Let's crowdsource that one a bit. Um. All right. Let's go at or the underscore real underscore aj eight underscore fc is back saying, "What are the chances out of ten that the next player we sign is on transfer deadline day?" Oh, Nick, please say that is not how it's going to be, because that means we're going to need multiple on deadline day. Well, Dan, Dan's the one in Vegas right now, so he should be the one to give us the odds. But I would I would guarantee you that no matter who is signed, it, it will be down to the wire because that just seems to be the way the club likes to do business. I don't know why it drives me absolutely insane, but. You know, teams their own. Uh, two two titles, three years. We, we, we figured out some type of magic there. Um, and hey, you know, David Luiz, Marcus Alonso last season. You know, deadline day business, and you know, it's nice to see that uh, you know we we find a way at the end of it. So uh, I'm actually going to go that we probably do it all by deadline day, wrapped it up, and it's probably like a nine or a ten. Wow! All Sorry, right. Brandon. All right. No, that's that's good. To, good to know. Um, at smooth underscore one like that. Uh, smooth. <laughs> we, he would love to hear our breakdown of Louise's play. Uh, this is really interesting. So he realized that in the first half, Louise was pushing forward with the ball into space with Rudiger often rotating to center. I noticed this as well. And I got confused for a second. I was like, wait, is Rudiger playing in the center of the three or is Louise? But Louise was far more adventurous today. And I think smooth underscore one that would be because Everton were so far back and giving us so much more space that he was able to pretty much freely attack obviously you have Rudiger and Aspilicueta sitting back holding down the fort but 
Uh, Luis's vision and ability on the ball, he is it just makes sense that if he has space to continue to fill that, um, almost kind of like what he did last week against Tottenham. Yeah, I think that he uh, kind of had a hybrid role today a little bit where he got into midfield a lot, was able to control some of the passing, was able to feed Fabregas a little bit, um, find space for um, some of our players on the wing. And, you know, it's it's a really good exercise because at home, sometimes we, you know, just don't have, you know, a goal scoring threat or, or the play is not moving as fluidly as we would like. And part of the part of the way that you can make that work a little bit better is by your your line being able to afford one player to move up and and kind of break whatever press is going on so if the press is kind of backing you into a corner you have a pressure release valve and david louise to go upfield spread the ball around and then they're chasing you again uh so i think that was a tremendous move and i think tactically you're going to see a lot more of that this year um hopefully it is to great effect like it was today at Xenosaurus, our buddy from London, asks you, Dan, does Alvaro Morata even need feet? Uh, he, he needs the feet. We're not going to take his feet away from him. But he doesn't need them to score goals, which is quite a wonderful skill to have. So, uh, yes, needs the feet. No, does not need them necessarily to score goals. But potentially helpful. All right. And then we have a question from at VFactor07 and at Wyatt's underscore blue. They're asking about transfers. You know, four days to go, Nick. We've got a few rumored transfers left, mainly English players. I mean, how many? Who do you see? Who do you want, I guess? It, it, it seems a pretty limited pool right now, right? Like, what are we down to? Drinkwater? Ox? Barkley? Vardy. Maybe Vardy? Vardy, yeah, Vardy was came out of nowhere last week, but I don't know, Dan. And there's there's no way that they drop Drinkwater, they drop Mares, and they drop Vardy. I mean that 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 sounds like you know getting on the elevator and just pressing it to like the basement level. Like they they might as well just go start playing you know Middlesbrough or another side on a weekly basis because th- that that's directly heading Shakespeare's team to the the championship. So uh, I, I think the Ox one is is you know an opportunity. He seems like he wants out along with probably about nine or 10 of the players on that team. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I think the drink water one um, makes sense. And under the guise of you need someone there as a backup player, they are not, they need to be content with not playing 90 minutes every week and they need to be impactful when they come in. And that is what Chelsea is looking to sign. It's not a player who's going to be, so discontent the moment they're not the first name on the team sheet and like that that's why you know look and drink water is not a sexy option right like that is not signing a paul pogba or you know signing a maranta that that is business and it's good business but it's not necessarily something that is going to get all of us going out to put the name on the back of our jersey I still think you have a striker. There, there has to be a striker option still out there as well. I mean, do you, you've do, seen, do you think the Lorente one is, is where you're heading? Yeah, I mean, probably. And honestly, it doesn't like I'm, I'm to the point with this window where I'm so annoyed at, at kind of the slow pace of it and, and so excited for it to be over that like whatever, like it, bring in players like we need. We desperately need relief. Like we're going to have three matches a week and, and it's impossible to expect 14 players to do that and win everything. 
Uh, and I think the Chelsea fan cast did a really, really good job. I want to shout those guys out last week of talking about expectation setting, because if you don't sign the quality of players that are going to deliver you the Champions League and you're worried about price and you're worried about the new stadium and all that kind of stuff, which is totally legitimate, the, the expectation then can't still be to go win the treble every year. And I think that is it's a really important thing for fans to realize. And it's a really important thing for the board, hopefully, to communicate to Antonio Conte and the players. You know, like if we're going after options B, C, D, E and F instead of option A in, in each of these positions that we just referenced, you know, I think we have to adjust expectations a little bit. It doesn't mean that we have to adjust them a lot. It doesn't mean we're going to get relegated. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to be realistic about it. And it's something that those guys called out. I wanted to give them props um, for doing so uh, because it just made a ton of sense. I listened to it as well, and I fully agree with you, Nick. As they also mentioned, will we get that from the club? Absolutely not. But it's what we had come to want and expect from them. And I, and I hope I hope it doesn't even matter if it gets to us. Right. It matters if it gets to the people actually doing the jobs. Sure. Right? That so, makes sense. I, anyway. No, that's good. A uh, last one from our mate down under Phil. Phil. At Phil me seven four seven. As so are we still in crisis mode? Dan, do you still have your doomsday clock up uh, from, the, <laughs> from two episodes ago? Uh, well, I mean, I unplugged it the you know uh, after the, that match ended, so I, I think we're good. I think we're in a good spot right now. I think obviously, crisis to me is multiple star players being injured and the depth of the squad becoming the starting base and i think that's where my concern would be and, and you know we're about to get hazard back um we're about to probably sign two two three players uh, i think we should be resting much easier than a lot of clubs specifically in london in the premier league right now that's it that's that's all we, that's all we got brandon all right all right, well, let's go ahead and a last break before we get into uh, a new thing that we haven't done, a, a little rival review. So check it out when we get back. So really quick shout out for World Soccer Shop. Uh, go follow them on social media. They have been doing some great content recently. I'm very impressed with some of the Chelsea stuff that they've come out with. We know uh, through some of our partnership discussions, there will be even more of that coming out that will be directed kind of towards our audience and towards Chelsea fans in general. So on Instagram at World Soccer Shop, on Facebook, World Soccer Shop, and on Twitter as well. Um, just go follow them, do us a favor, help support our show in that partnership. And, and uh, yeah, thanks. All right, so in this section, what we thought we'd do with an international break coming up is just kind of take a step back and look at the teams that we would term rivals from the beginning. Obviously, some teams have slipped more than others, but we thought we'd go ahead and kind of hit on the classic top six outside of Chelsea. So we'll start at the top and work our way down. Manchester United in first place at the table right now. So the way I look at it, Nick, is United are very, very strong going forward. They're solid enough at the back, and they always have De Gea there to bail them out when they don't deserve it. Uh, but maybe the fact that they get too many numbers forward, because there's a lot of attacking players in that team, hitting them on the counter and maybe out wide is exactly 
what we need to do. But you know what? So far, no one's really been able to test them too much. Yeah, and much. I mean, you know, I think part of it's the schedule. Part of it is is the fact that they have they have gone out and done significant business this year. They have filled you know gaps where they were weak. Uh, I still think that we match up favorably with them uh, with our tactical setup and you know some of the rock solid defending that we have. Um, still, am interested to see what Lukaku does against a, a real defense, and you know we'll, we'll see going forward. I think they are the, they're our penultimate rival in this title race, and, and I, you know looking at the rest of this, we'll get into why. But uh, you know the. The fact that Nemanja Matic has settled in so quickly there annoys the crap out of me. Uh, I didn't love that sale in the first place. I love it even less now. Um, and so, you know, I think he allows Pogba to do, you know, like you said, Brandon, do his thing. Um, we're going to have to contain that when we play him. Dan, anything special? I mean, you've you've been in on the you're a believer of the Mourinho second season and the business they've done I've seen your fantasy team I know <laughs> I do, what you're thinking I do I do have a couple uh, a couple United players in my, my fantasy team not, not gonna not gonna hide that fact um yeah, I mean Pogba you know with with Maddich there it's a really nice combination um I think the point that Nick made though about the schedule, you know, they, you know, they they played Leicester, they played Burnley, um, you know, they, they've had a chance to, um, you know, go up against some teams that you know, are not not necessarily the, the the top top of the table. I mean, you know, Liverpool just played Arsenal, you know, we we've played Tottenham, um, you know, so th- there's been some matches that other teams have had that have tested them a little bit more. Um, you know, they they completely destroyed West Ham. It w- wasn't even a contest, so. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how they rotate, um, especially with the Martial on the bench, not on the bench. If you know some consistent performances can start to come his way, they might have may have one of the best attacks in the entire league. And you know that's also looking at a City team that is extremely gifted up front. Well, yeah, gifted but impotent right now. <laughs> they, they need the blue pill. Well, well let's go ahead and oh. we'll skip Liverpool, go to City right now since that's a nice little transition. And City has spent tremendous amounts of money, mainly in the defense though, right? And they've had a rocky start to the season, haven't been very convincing over 90 minutes. Now, during those 90 minutes, they've absolutely had moments where they're fantastic. But it hasn't really been that collective yet, Dan. No, and but they are they are starting to piece some of it together, and, and I think there were some elements of this, you know, Bournemouth game where they just played and they won um, the very massive amount of stoppage time at the end of the game, uh, which also resulted in a Rahi Sterling sending off for uh, two yellow to a red, which was hilarious really, for inciting uh, the crowd. Oh my gosh, it was it was quite quite the moment. Uh, credit credit though to Aguero though for you know stepping up for a fan who he thought was getting a little little abused by one of the stewards and you know really kind of questioning the treatment. And you know I think we all have been pretty pretty harsh towards Aguero after the tackle on Luis last season, but it was nice to see him kind of stand up for uh, you know the the city supporter who who should not have been on the pitch who should not have been on the pitch. Um, that was a problem there. But back to City. Uh, Danilo looks pretty good. Uh, Mendy, though, looked fantastic. Um, looked everything he wanted to be. I'm just wondering why, when you have Kevin De Bruyne, why you're playing him so so deep 
And uh, I don't know if you, you know, watched that match, Nick, but I, I felt like that Pep is, you know, trying to pep the the lineup into this kind of formation and, and to play with the tactics in such a way. And they only beat Bournemouth 2-1 um, because they have, you know, double digit stoppage time. Yeah, I mean, I did see the highlights. I was very unimpressed by City. Um, I think that Bournemouth, if you look at the games they played against Bournemouth last year, um, it was it was kind of a rout. Um, and you know, they just they, they they take a while to get out of the gate. Um, you know, I think they're they're still very very talented. They still have the most expensive uh, expensive squad in the Premier League. If I could talk today, that would be great. Um, and I, you know, I still think that they are. are definite challengers but uh, I think Pep is also a little too smart for his own good uh, he's going to try and do everything his way instead of you know maybe being a little bit more pragmatic um, and you know we'll see if it works out for him you know I would I would bet on Antonio Conte over Pep any single day of the week all right let's go ahead and go back up the table a little bit to Liverpool who are absolutely flying in attack scoop up those fantasy attackers but they are still questionable in defense. Dan, you talked about it earlier that they uh, rested Minule by dropping him from the squad entirely, uh, which is interesting. Um, they have been, to be fair, Arsenal were atrocious today. But overall, uh, even against Hoffenheim in their Champions League qualifying and everything, they can score goals. Nick, I'm talking bucket load of goals but they have a big leak in the back. And I think that's where everyone's going to be able to exploit them, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, this this team, no matter who they signed, this, um, this transfer window has not changed approach. Um, when you look at them and you look at the way that Klopp plays and you look at the Gagan pressing and you look at the high-flying attack, it's going to work until December and January, and then it will fade off very, very quickly. Uh, it's happened basically every season that Klopp has been at Dortmund and at Liverpool. Um, you know, it's fun to watch for a little bit. And then if you're a Liverpool supporter, you're just counting down the minutes until the train goes off the rails. Uh, what do you think, I guess, as far as their prospects, Dan? Um, I think they're obviously going to be hard to play against. But again, one that you can kind of sit and absorb and hit them on the break. They are just in trouble. Well, you know, and this is also why, you know, to Nick's point, why they wanted to go after Van Dyke this window to really help shore up this defense a bit. When you think about it, though, they've played three games, one, two, drew one. And that one game was the game that they conceded three goals. So in the last two wins, they actually haven't conceded a single goal. Um, but, you know, when you, you play Arsenal and Arsenal are in such a shape that they really came and muster a true attack. Um, Mane looks incredible. Um, you know, th this is a team that, you know, Coutinho is one of their better players, is even in the lineup right now. And the way that Mane, Firmino are, are putting together action, Salah readapting um, and, and not seeming to have much issue in the Premier League now. I think they're going to be so much fun to watch. And, you know, I, I definitely don't wish them too, too much um, good fortune. But uh, at least against uh, the other top six title rivals, I hope they, uh, <laughs> I hope they kind of do each other in a little bit. We always love a little bit of that. Um, what about Tottenham, Dan? So, like, bringing it back, they've had mixed results. Obviously, today, giving up a late goal to Burnley. They've had 
They essentially have the same roster, though, as the last two seasons when they've got second and third, respectively. So for me, like, while they're getting off to a slow start, and I know <clears throat> the Wembley thing is just funny now for the rest of us, but they've got to come good at some point, you think. Otherwise, like, I think that would be the biggest kind of, like, downfall way over Arsenal if they don't actually compete for the title. Yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting if they drop to to fifth place or you know if they drop out of their group stage into you know the uh, Europa League so then they end up with uh, Thursday night football um, do they you know drop out of Europe altogether and just focus on the league and Pochettino is going to have to to make a really tough decision coming up here on, on what they want to do and you know I, I think Levy has to also be a part of that and understanding that you know they have players that are unhappy with the wages they're on we saw the Danny Rose piece that he in the interview that he gave you you saw that Kyle Walker left for a huge pay raise Uh, players aren't some of their players aren't happy and and they know that if they move downtown or if they moved up north that they would be getting one one and a half uh, one and a quarter two times the amount that they're making right now and and there are players on those other sides who would bring them on immediately um, and get rid of the people that they're paying more to, to pay them just equal wage. So, I mean, the, the stat that I saw, 2016-17, Spurs lose four points at home the whole season. Uh, right now, 2017-2018, with Wembley being the temporary home, Spurs lose five points after home games after two games. So uh, just, you know, the, the mentality and figuring out Wembley, uh, you know, Chidge of the, the fan cast is a really good piece up on uh, Football London about how, Chelsea need to think very differently than maybe Tottenham have about filling that stadium and creating the right atmosphere for a match so that we don't need to pipe in some drum noise. And uh, I think it's some really good reading and something that, you know, we can do a lot of examining this season and see the Tottenham struggles and, and learn from that. Nick, again, I'm saying like Tottenham could make the biggest fall from grace this season, depending on how the next few matches go for them. I don't I, I'm not I'm not jumping on that train right now. I, I think they're too talented uh, and I Pochettino will figure it out um, whether or not they have the depth and talent to make a run at it. Uh, truly at, you know, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. I, I don't know yet, but I, you know, I think I think we're just so early in the year. Let's just uh, take it. I love that they're falling apart right now. I think everybody does. Like it's it's great to see Arsenal and Tottenham and the rest of the the top six lose. But I mean, we we lost against Liverpool and Arsenal last year too, and rebounded okay. So I think it's just a, a good good idea to take some patience here and uh, and see how it actually unfolds in the next couple of months. All right. So normally we go ahead and talk about Arsenal right now, but let's be honest. If you want the real down and dirty on Arsenal, you got to go to Arsenal Fan TV because we can't do it justice. I mean, what you need to know about them is they're not a contender right now. So, next. It is three matches in, and I think we're going to see a plane soon. It, it didn't take <laughs> long. Um, all right, I think uh, we have a little bit of a loney update, though, before we go ahead and wrap up this episode. So stick with this for a couple more minutes. Uh, Tammy Abraham scoring his first Premier League goal. Super pumped about that. Um, Dan, not so great news on Ruben, who had a really good start to the season with Palace. 
Yeah, big, big bummer for him was that he you know was out with a groin injury, but um, they were kind of saying that he should be back next week. But you know, both Tammy and Ruben called up for uh, you know the under twenty three England squad. Uh, Chaloba, former Blue, gets called up to the uh, senior team. So you know, couple couple of good pieces there. And uh, I know Nick, your boy Zuma, uh, playing for Stoke again, getting getting some full nineties there, and uh, he also got a nice little call up there, which may be a little shocking. Too. Yeah, you got you got called up to the French national team, and I think we are all happy for Kurt Happy Zuma, um, even replacing uh, Rafael Varane and and kind of the the next week's squad uh, for the international break. And look, I mean, uh, a guy that I think we all have just tremendous fond feelings for, um, a, a guy who is a warrior. Uh, we just hope that he gets his confidence back on that knee, and uh, you know. Let's let's see him play for the national team and and hopefully come back to Chelsea a bigger and better better man. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up another banger of an episode, if I do say so myself, with some final thoughts. So, uh, Nick, anything you would like to wrap up this episode with? And I know we're keeping you for Game of Thrones, so feel free to make it short and sweet. Yes, um, I, I am very excited uh, for the international break. We have some planning stuff to do, um, some XL tours work to do, some World Soccer Shop work to do. Um, you know, we we still just want to hear your feedback. You know, we we'd love to hear your feedback on uh, our show, on some of the new segments that we're doing. So tweet at us, email us. Uh, don't don't be afraid to hold back. We're we're here for you. All right, Dan. What about you, man? Yeah, you know, as we're recording this, uh, Game of Thrones is on, and you know, Chelsea won this weekend. Uh, I know that we, you know, we have some friends in the the Texas and Houston area with some of the uh, Blues chapters out there, uh, supporter groups, and uh, they're they're getting some pretty uh, yeah. heavy destruction with uh, Harvey and the hurricane that you know had some landfall. So, you know, as much as we talk about things like our Patreon and buying jerseys and stuff, the World Soccer Shop, um, you know, which is great to do, but if you have a couple bucks to to donate to maybe some of the Red cross efforts or a charity of your choice that's maybe you know aligns with you um there's a lot of people that need some help down there and, and some of the photos and video uh is really tough to watch so uh you know th- thoughts and prayers and, and good feelings and vibes towards uh houston and uh, all of texas this week yeah i would, I would quickly add the bayou city blues and, and specifically jesus martinez who runs that chapter have started a gofundme page uh, we will share out that link um if you are able to contribute that would be tremendous you know especially for um, I know that they aren't a, a Chelsea in America chapter, but there's still an awesome chapter of Chelsea fans uh, in the Houston area, and they do a really great job. Um, it's devastating for them. It's devastating for the city. So uh, we'll tweet that out. Please feel free to contribute. Uh, we would we'd love you forever if you do. All right. Well, that is a wrap this week, Chelsea fans. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, until next time, sorry for the international break, but we'll be here. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us. 